This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I wanted to talk about the specifics of the Greg Williams defense with some film breakdowns and everything with two people that know a lot about what the Greg Williams defense brings, especially the current Greg Williams defense, because they covered the team that Greg Williams was most recently with, the Cleveland Browns. He was there in 2017 and 2018. And he actually was the head coach for a little while after Hugh Jackson was dismissed, but he was the architect of that defense. So who would know better what Jets fans can expect this coming season than the two guys that covered the Browns like nobody else? First is somebody who's very familiar to you if you're a Jets fan because he used to be a member of Turn on the Jets Digital, but then he left us at the altar to go host Locked on Browns, and now he's a fixture in Cleveland Browns circles, Mr. Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Uh, you know, it's actually, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting watching Greg go over there and, you know, obviously, you know, me and Jake, uh, you know, very, very deep in here for over the last two seasons following Greg and what he's done with this defense. Definitely some highs, definitely some lows. Um, but you know, it's, it's just been a fun ride. I mean, you know, and me and Jake, we talk about this all the time, you know, covering this franchise in 2017, it literally got to the point. It's like, man, I am putting all this work in and I am talking about, and basically you just want to close the piece with, I don't believe there's any hope ever coming to this franchise and then as it you know started to take off this year you know you re- you realize the negative influences in the room and then you realize that it was really holding back the product obviously which is the talent and the roster and just you know the flip of the switch you know you put greg in charge you found basically a hidden gem in freddie kitchens and, and just the way it worked out and you know we all kind of really saw the writing on the wall that if it was going to be freddie obviously you know greg was going to move on you know nobody wants to you know nobody wants to go from you know being the guy to, you know, basically be, you know, to being the groom to being the best man, which is the route Greg would have had it gone. So, you know, we, we, yeah, obviously it made a lot of sense, you know, and that he was going to move on, obviously gets himself a nice three-year deal with the Jets. Um, you know, and obviously just, you know, this is what Greg does. I mean, Greg is a defensive guy through and through. So it should be fun to see how he, you know, he does things over there in MetLife for the uh, other team in that building. So I'm happy to have Jeff, but I'm also happy to have my other guest who you may be familiar with because he appeared on our other show, Know Your Foe, earlier in the season when the Jets played the Browns. You can catch his work at the Orange and Brown Report, also at Cleveland.com, and he's the man behind Cleveland Browns Film Breakdown. He's kind of the Joe Blewett of Cleveland Browns, if you think about it, because he does a lot of the same stuff that Joe Blewett does for the Jets. Really thrilled to have him on so he can help break down the films and schemes and everything involving the Greg Williams defense with me and Jeff. Mr. Jake Burns. Jake, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. I'm happy to be here. You know, I think it's, like Jeff said, these are two franchises in similar places in terms of trying to turn around with with promising young quarterbacks. And now we're connected through a mind that was pretty... Um, you know, was well regarded in Cleveland and Greg Williams. He, I think, he started out on the uh, poke fun of side, but as his as his time grew on, I think Browns fans really appreciated him. And then as he exited Cleveland with a five and three record, which is one of the best records in the Browns last twenty years, right? He a, he'll he'll leave fond memories. And I'll say this, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for Greg Williams in terms of what he was able to do taking over for hugh jackson and and really todd haley when this place was in shambles there a little earlier and we wish him genuinely wish him all the best i know browns fans will fondly remember him for giving us some of the best football we've seen in a long time along those lines jake and i'll start with you jeff and then we'll get to your thoughts on this too jake i want to know when i say the name greg williams what immediately pops into your head what do you remember from his tenure with the cleveland browns 
I, I mean, for us, you know, as far as we cover it, I mean, there, there are some like joking instincts. Um, you know, I mean, first thing, you know, Jake and I will remember 13 to 14 games in 2017 of where in the hell is the free safety? You know, you can barely even find him on the all 22. And it was just, you know, Greg was not dealing with a full deck on D. He was also coaching a defense where he had zero faith that the offense could do anything. So it was a lot more of a bend but don't break, which almost, you know, for Greg Williams, it's, you know, it's basically just, you know, torture for a guy like that. You know, Greg likes to attack. He likes to, you know, set the tone. So it was much more difficult for him in 2017. 2018, obviously, Demarius Randall came in and he gave him that free safety that he needed. Um, and it was, you know, able to you know, man- manufacture the defense more than the way he wanted. You know, Jabril Peppers, Derek Kindred. You know, you say safety, everybody thinks coverage first. These are two of the three safeties in Cleveland. That's not their strong suit first. Their strong suit first is, you know, eight yards, you know, between eight yards and the line of scrimmage. They like to attack. You know, they'll set the edge. They don't mind getting their nose dirty. Don't mind getting blocked as long as the runner's got to turn up the field and he's not getting outside on them. So, you know, Greg was a lot more fun in in this year. And then even you just watch the whole roster realize that they can kind of just loosen up and, you know, have some fun, play with some attitude, you know, play with some, you know, flashiness. Greg was for that. I mean, Greg was, you know, Greg, Greg will let you talk the talk, but I mean, back it up by playing well on the field. And you know, that's, it was just such a different product going down the stretch and the confidence these guys played with and almost even the freedom to, you know, adapt on the fly. And it goes back to the Jabril Peppers on the last sack to you know, close out the Denver game. That was not his given assignment. Uh, they had run it a couple times earlier in the game. Jabril realized there was a chance he could change it up to have, you know, the ultimate success. And he did. And, you know, it, it, you almost see Greg give him a look like, yeah, that was a good job. And you're glad it panned out because if it didn't, we would have had ourselves a nice little sit down. Um, but yeah, it, it, Greg's, Greg's fun. And the other thing is, I don't think people realize how long Greg's been coaching in the NFL and coaching defense. I mean, he's, he's literally got you know, encyclopedias. I mean, he, there's just not one way Greg Williams is going to skin a cat. Or in this case, I should say a possum, right, Jake? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, Greg, Greg's good dude. I mean, it depends on what you want from your coaches. Everybody wants something different from a coach. I, I, I personally, I felt a lot of the things he did were pretty corny. Like I just felt like he would do some cliches and he would do his whole "come get some bitch" thing. Like he would just he's just some corny. <laughs> he just did some corny stuff, like stuff that if I was playing, I wouldn't love. But there are many, many players that loved playing for him, and, and many on the Browns who love playing for him. And um, you know, like Jeff said in 2017, I thought. Here, he, I thought he did some weird things, but uh, there, there's certainly merit to the fact that he didn't have a fantastic 11 defensive players on the field all the time. I think that he is perpetually afraid of being beat deep. Like that is, I think, you, as, as Jeff mentioned, you, you coach for so long as Greg Williams has coached. I think he, he plants his flag where he plants his flag and like he is what he is and he's not going to change it. And I think he is going to always have a fear of being beat deep, and he builds pass coverage around avoiding that exact problem. And uh, but at the same time, he's going to be aggressive. He's not what I call all eleven aggressive, but he is aggressive, and he's notorious. You know, he's notorious for blitzing. That you think Greg Williams, you probably your first train of thought goes to uh, creative, exotic types of blitzes. So um, yeah, I mean. We'll dig into the finer details, but there, I'll say this. There are certainly worse coordinators calling defense in the NFL. There are probably some better coordinators calling defense in the NFL. And I think we probably overvalue some of this uh, too much uh, in terms of the X and O side of things. I think if you get your guys to believe in you, believe in what you're selling, 
believe in, uh, you know, you have their best interest in mind, they're going to play well for you. And the Jets have plenty of talent. I know it's going to be a slight schematic switch from a 3-4-4-3 stuff, but, um, you know, that stuff's overblown. It'll be fine. It won't, it won't be a big deal. You, you know, you can either play or you can't, and they'll find, they'll find guys that they have on the roster that are good enough for it and move some other pieces around. But, yeah, just be, if I was a Jets fan, I'd be prepared for my defense to be aggressive, um, and I would be prepared for uh, coverage to, you know, ha- have, have the feeling of being preached at constantly about not getting beat deep. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about being aggressive on defense because that does seem to be a Greg Williams calling card. And you guys both talked about that prominently in your description of him when I mentioned his name. So can you give me some specific examples of different types of plays that he's used? And if there are any that stick out in your mind that you may have a particularly vivid memory of? Well, I, you know, I go back, obviously, to the Denver game with Jabril Peppers. It was, you know... A lot of times in that scenario, what are what is everybody else going to do? They're going to say, "All right, well, they're they're driving for a field goal. All right, let's make sure we don't get him, let him go inside the thirty-five. And that was something where Greg, look, you could have gotten be deep in that scenario, but it was you know a, a case of you know let's 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 go after it. Let's go after this guy. Don't give him time. Don't give him a chance to find somebody. Um, you, the aggressiveness. Uh, Joe Schobert a lot on the a gap blitz. Um, it, he, he he's good good blitzer. Uh, you know some. Fans here in Cleveland think he needs to be replaced, which is just insane. But you know, he it, it is, and it is the blitzing, it's the aggressiveness. Um, it's it's bringing nickel corners, and it's it, it's it's fun. And like Jake said, the exotic blitzes. There were almost times where it's like you could almost kind of not like sort of predict, but not predict, and be like, you know, who we haven't seen come off an edge here in a while, and then you'd go see the next week, you know, whether nickel corner and Brian Body Calhoun or whatever. And you know, uh, I think what he did with Jannard Avery. Now here was a guy who was drafted as a middle, you know, was drafted as a linebacker. Um, they, you know, obviously Cleveland didn't even mention it. You know, I remember talking about this with Jake at camp, and Jake actually saw some, you know, saw some stuff up at camp, and Jake, you know, actually sent me a message. He's like, "Man, I don't think they drafted Jannard Avery to be a linebacker." And you know, he's a smaller guy at like you know six feet two fifty ish, but he played the majority of his time as his defensive end, and he was stoning right tackles. Um, I, I think it showed that Greg wants quickness and athleticism off the edge. And that's what you saw, and you know that's something that the Jets are going to have to address. They're going to have to find some way to do that. The pass rush there has been lacking for a long time. But what he was able to do with you know athletic guys 
who can play ball. Greg likes a combination of both. And, you know, he has no problem. He'll bring any D back off the corner. You know, it doesn't matter what your original job is or what you were drafted to do. Um, if he feels you can make a difference coming off the edge, what you, whether you were the first, you know, the top cornerback on the roster or the eighth defensive back on the roster, um, if you're going to get on the field, there's probably a package where there's going to be a blitz call for you. I will say this. Greg Williams blitzes a lot. He brings more than four people at, I think, a top five clip in the NFL. So I broke down I broke down Steve Wilkes' defense because he's going to be the Browns' new defensive coordinator. And during Wilkes' time as, as actually calling defense, which was 2017 in Carolina, and, and his time last year in Arizona, he didn't actually call the defense. Al Holcomb did his, his defensive coordinator, linebacker coach. They, they worked together in Carolina. And, and beyond, and he brought Al Holcomb with him. But but what I thought I saw from from Wilkes was an aggressive approach from all eleven defenders. So what I think Greg does is he's not going to necessarily muddle who's 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 blitzing and who's not. Like I don't see the the Browns didn't align in too many crazy pre snap looks. Like if you watch, say, uh, the Ravens, the Ravens will give you like. Some on occasion, seven or eight guys standing at the line of scrimmage. A guy or two in an oaky look, which is your three down lineman. Um, but they're going to really confuse you on who's coming and who isn't coming. Now that bites the Ravens a couple times here and there, but for the most part, it can really confuse quarterbacks. Greg didn't necessarily do that pre-snap. He would walk a linebacker down on occasion, but but not entirely. But he brought different people, so. He would bring a corner from a slot corner from alignment. He would bring a boundary corner. He would bring linebackers, um, but it was never a confusion-based thing, if that makes sense. It was just to bring pressure, you know, like that's what they were trying to do and bring pressure. Now, what they did behind that is where I'm not a huge fan of Greg. Like I think that they were so perpetually afraid of being beat deep that they would do um, two things I didn't like, linebacker spot dropping. So what I mean by that is linebackers are typically taught one of two things. Um, you know, they're hash quarter hash players, so they, they're, or I should say hash post hash. They're taught either to run to a spot and read eyes, or they're taught to seek out somebody in their area. Greg is a spot drop guy, so if they're telling their linebacker, their Sam linebacker, to get to the hash, he's going to get to the hash and not worry about necessarily what's going on around him or rerouting or having a feel for if one route disappears, typically there's going to be a route that comes in behind it. So what it did is, yes, the Browns were able to create some negative plays, um, but they left themselves very, very vulnerable off of blitz stuff. So if you had a quarterback who was cerebral enough to figure it out, that's where they ran into um, – you know, they ran into a lot of issues. Their back half of the secondary, they're going to play some man, they're going to play some zone, but they don't do it, and I don't. I never got the vibe that they did it in an aggressive fashion. They never play – so do not ever expect Greg to play quarters. He played it three times the entire year. He will not play cover four. Um, he will play a good amount of cover three. He will play a good amount of cover one. And then in this year, um, as opposed to last year – he started playing a lot of Tampa two, like early in the year, a ton of Tampa two. And he would put a big bind on his Mike linebacker, Joe Schobert, um, in two ways. Obviously, if you're familiar with Tampa two, it's going to be running your Mike linebacker to deep middle to take away seam routes on either side. And that's the point of Tampa two, which was created back in the day uh, in Tampa Bay under Tony Dungy, um, drawing a blank on the coordinator's name, but nonetheless, Kiffin. 
yeah, Lane Kiffin, so, or uh, Monty, my bad. Um, so yeah, Monty introduced that back in the day, translates to today. It's really, you know, and the modern NFL still uses it all the time because it's a good way to have, if you have an athletic Mike linebackers that can get there, that's great. The problem is the Browns struggled in run game this year and they would align Joe Schobert sometimes four to five yards behind the rest of the linebacker lineup and that would give them some issues a it was pretty predictable when they were running cover two because you could tell by mike linebacker depth and b it made it made covering the run game really difficult for joe schober because so often he was out of position based on the depth that they were putting him at so those were some issues that they ran into but again they they, they play very sound football they're gonna make you beat them i i think greg's like and he Greg has said this, he is a bend but don't break type of defense. Yes, they're aggressive up front. They will get after you, blitz you, do some stunts on the D line. They will drop. Do, do be prepared. They will drop defensive tackles and defensive ends on occasion. More often, defensive tackles, which I am I hate, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but they they're set, like I'm not trying to. I, this is not a bash Greg session. There are things that I'm going to sure Steve Wilkes are going to do that I don't love, and things that I do love. Like I love that Greg blitz. Like I think you have to be aggressive in modern football, and I love that the Browns seem to never get beat deep. It was very very rare that the Browns were beat on a home run ball, and that's great. So. Um, it's just a matter of what you prefer. Like if he's a, he's a keep everything in front of his defense, come up and make a tackle. And that leads to long drives. The Browns were on the field a ton this year. Um, but, but that's okay. Cause there are mistakes that can happen to the Browns were much better in 2018. And Jeff could tell you the same thing is because they created turnovers. They created a ton of turnovers through fumble recoveries. Um, they had some interceptions too, but they were very advantageous in, 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 you get a little hesitant because turnover variables can vary from year to year, but the turnover gap that the Browns were able to change from 2017 to 2018 was a big reason why they were so much more competitive. So to sort of give you the summary, uh, he's going to be aggressive up front. He's going to be passive in the back half of the secondary. He's going to allow teams to have some completions, but they're going to get stingy inside the 20 and, uh, and try to hold teams to field goals, which is a big part of modern-day football. So that's really what it is. It, it, that's, that's great. Williams is very aggressive, but the sack rate of the Cleveland Browns is a lot lower than I would have thought, especially considering that, like you said, Williams loves to blitz, and he's got Miles Garrett at his disposal. Turnovers forced by the defense were lower than I thought, too. So as far as you could tell, what was the reason for this? It's the easy, it's the easy throws. Like he, he will give you um, what Wilkes does differently is he will take away easy blitz answers. So as a quarterback, you're taught, hey, if they bring two off the right side that I don't have protection for, I have a route that replaces those guys. If you watch what um, you know Baker Mayfield did to the Jets, if you remember earlier this year, the the Jets blitzed from depth several times and it was causing headaches for Tyrod Taylor because he couldn't figure out where to go with the football. Mayfield comes in and it's completely different because he's replacing the blitz. That's a quarterback term for for you know decades. Replace the blitz, and Greg doesn't do a great job of rotating to where he brings people so when you don't rotate people and you have a five yard square in or you have a flat route or you have a quick hitch like those things you know if the, your slot runs a quick hitch to replace the blitz those easy throws are why the ball gets out pretty quickly and if that happens the blitz is nullified and nobody's going to get home so that's a little you know i would think that's a that's a massive part of it prime example of that were probably you know some of the pittsburgh games some of the carolina games um, where you were bringing guys and you were having Joe Schobert and a line and you know against Christian McCaffrey or James Connor, and McCaffrey and Connor had like you know almost a half a field to work with. Yep. Joe was a great coverage linebacker, but I mean you can't chase a guy for thirty yards 
and expect to succeed that way. So that was an issue there. Um, the turnovers decreased. The sacks decreased. Miles Garrett played more snaps than any other defensive lineman in the NFL this year. As great as Miles Garrett is, anybody is going to get tired. Same thing with Larry Ogunjobi. More snaps as a defensive tackle than any other defensive lineman took this year. You can't expect these guys to play 60-plus games. Look, some of this was, obviously, you know, you're including a couple overtime games in with that. So, you know, that's where those numbers obviously spike a little bit, but, you know, not that much because they were literally playing that many snaps. Just didn't have enough pass rushers he trusted. So, you know, when it came to key downs or key passing downs, even if they got a blow, they got a down or two. It wasn't a, hey, sit down for five plays. We'll put you in. It's just not the way he did things. They made, you know, obviously they moved on from a lot of talent on the defensive line, didn't bring a lot of it back in. And it was it was unsustainable rate for these guys to continue to see, succeed like they were early in the year. Larry Gajobi had five sacks, I think, through like the first five weeks. And that number d- died down. Obviously, some of that was, you know, he had a, you know, a towards bias that played through it. You know, Miles Garrett, though, I mean, y- you can't play almost 1,100 snaps and expect that, you know, and continue to have a win rate in that capacity. It's just not going to work. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Tell me a little bit about the types of players that would succeed in a Greg Williams defense. And we're going to get to specific players that the Jets have and that they might want to go after in the offseason in a second. But tell me a little bit about what type of players would fit well in this Greg Williams defense. Well, first things first, um, you know, the one thing that the Browns tried to do last year down the trading deadline, they're going to want athletic linebackers. Deron Lee, look, I, I know he runs hot and cold with Jet fans. He should work well in Greg's defense. And if you think back and you look back to Tampa 2 and what the linebackers looked like, you know, they weren't the, you know, six foot three, 240 pound guys. They were the smaller athletic guys. Derek Brooks, prime example, Hall of Famer. You hope Deron Lee can be something like that. And we're not going to obviously, <laughs> but, but hope the guy comes out to be a Hall of Famer. But Deron Lee should, should work well within a Greg Williams system. The guy, the kid can run for days, you know, a great athlete. Jamal Adams. Um, as much of a turn as Jabril Peppers took this year, Jamal Adams is a better player in that capacity. And this is kind of what Jamal Adams was already doing this year for the Jets. Um, Jamal Adams, I know he was a little upset about his second-team All-Pro. Um, if he would like a opportunity to make first-team All-Pro, I think it would be there in Greg's defense. I think Greg's going to love him. I think Greg's going to love the fact that Jamal Adams brings some pass-rush skills to him. So um, those two right off the bat. Um, you know, you're going to have to... They're going to need more. I mean, the defensive line... I'm not exactly sure what the avenue, if they're going to go even front, if they're going to go odd front, but you're going to need somebody. But the other thing is, is you're going to, I mean, and Scott, you know this, I know this. The problem with the Jets for, what, 17 years now has been, where was the guy after John Abraham? There was never that guy. You need that dude. And I think Miles Garrett with Greg Williams, that became a huge thing for Greg because it was, all right, I got this guy who can get home with ease and you go to the first game against Cincinnati where he had 12 total pressures, which is just an insane number. But Greg needs that guy that says, all right, I know he's going to win more than he loses and do his job, which makes it a lot easier for the other 10 to do what they have to do as far as, you know, coverage responsibilities or miles Garrett, 
a lot of times, you know, he's closing in on the quarterback. The quarterback steps up. There's somebody to clean up there. Or you got to throw the kitchen stink, sink at an elite pass rusher, which gives other guys, you know, winnable one-on-ones. And that's something they're going to need. They're going to need that guy that the offense is going to have to zero in on on any passing situation. Yeah, as far as types of players, I'm not great with the Jets' uh, overall roster, but I know that both of those safeties are, are hand-in-glove fits. Marcus Mays is a center field type and will do well for, for Greg's uh, uh, immense amount of closed coverage looks, and Jamal Adams is as good as the league offers and in, in down-in-the-box safety, so he'll thrive. Um, in terms of corner play, you got to have guys who have scheme flexibility. They can play zone. They can turn and, and get down in someone's face and play man on occasion, too. Uh, linebackers, you're going to need a, a mean Mike linebacker. You're going to need a guy who can play the run game from depth and a guy who can run with tight ends and run down the middle of the field. This is not to say Greg can't change who he is or what he does, but uh, um, if we're just simply looking at what he did in Cleveland and, and translating that to New York, you're going to need, like I said, a Mike linebacker, Mike linebacker that can do both. And you're going to need two linebackers that can, that can be creative and rush and, and, and be interior, um, be interior offensive linemen uh, off of different stunts and dip and rip and get home and make plays. And then, you know, your defensive ends uh, are going to need to be, I think what Greg prefers are speed guys. He's, he wants to turn the quarterback up into the pocket. The Browns got away from defensive tackles who were slow plotting. He wants guys that can get to the quarterback uh, and on the way to getting to the quarterback, be able to play the run game. So, um, you know, guys like the mold of body type of Larry Ogunjobi is what they're looking for. That guy who's about six, six, six foot, six, two, he ranged to, to 300 pounds, but he's got that lean build that he can still get home and be an impact player in the passing game. Because I think that at the end of the day, Greg has done a really nice job of understanding that this is a passing league and he's trying to build a defensive front that is um, at least the player types that can play against the modern passing game. So uh, those speed guys on the interior who can shoot a gap, get to the quarterback and on the way there, if they, if they can get there uh, to play the run too. So um yeah, those are those are a little bit of the prototypes. You, you, I, I think the pieces, some of the pieces are there. I see, um, but they're you know, it could look all different. Greg gets a hold of things and sits down with the GM, and they all try to figure that out. But uh, speed and scheme flexibility, and, and those guys being able to play in the pass and the back half are very important for him. Jeff, you mentioned a couple of players, and let's get into the defensive roster a little bit more. Who are some guys on this team that you think would thrive or be hindered by this Greg Williams defense? And then this is where we'll bring you in, Jake, because I know you don't know the Jets roster as well. Are there any guys that you see as free agents or even potential guys in the draft that you think would be a good fit here? Uh, I do believe Leonard Williams. um, If Jets fans are talking about moving on from Leonard Williams, I mean, I get it. He, I, you know, has he turned out the you know wise of what the number overall six pick would? Probably not. But would Leonard Williams thrive? And now, obviously, as Jake talked and I mentioned, you want speed off the edge, so the quarterback steps up, and you want guys there to clean it up. Leonard Williams, athletic. He's you know the body type we kind of talked about. That's what Leonard Williams fits. I think Leonard Williams fits very well with a Greg Williams defense. And the other thing is, you know, if you're going to move on from him because you're not happy with what he's done, what would the return be? So uh, I think it would be, I, you know, Leonard Williams, I think, w- would do fantastic in this. I think he needs a breath, uh, you know, a, a new voice, a, a new feeling within that organization. 
Leonard Williams, I like it for. Um, uh, uh, George Jenkins, I mean, if you're going to look as a traditional linebacker, I don't think he's going to be athletic enough. And like Jake said, I don't think he's going to be scheme versatile enough. Um, Avery Williamson, I, I think that that's a guy you probably want to keep around. So at least you have two thirds of the linebacking core. If you know, for for that instance, if they're going to go even, whether or not they you know odd even, whatever it's going to be, uh, Avery Williamson good enough, athletic enough, he should be able to get you deeper. And you know, Jake isn't joking with this man. I mean, we always you know like we kind of refer to Joe Schobert sometimes as the crossing guard. He's literally there chasing a tight end to the scene and gets to his depth and almost the arm extended. Like, all right, now I let him go. And now my focus is on to what's coming towards me in front of me. Um, you, you know, I think Avery Williamson could do that. I think he's good athletic enough. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Greg does like some, you know, a gap blitzes with his middle linebacker, which, you know, Joe Schobert excelled on. Uh, Avery Williamson, I know had some success with that with the Jets. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, it's going to be odd. Obviously, you know, a disappointing kind of first year on a big, big free agent deal, but very familiar with Greg. Had a lot of success with Greg in the past. Um, should return a better investment in year two in a scheme that he's going to be more comfortable with. Where you know it's in look. I mean, whatever happened, obviously Tremaine Johnson wasn't happy. But uh, look, I mean, guys who gel with Greg Williams stay cool with Greg Williams, and I think it should work out very well for Tremaine Johnson. The good thing is this: if they're trying to rebuild their front, they have options. I mean, the free agency class and the draft are loaded with front guys. Um, Here's what I would do. If you're picking third, I would make sure, uh, all things considered, that I'm not sure how the Jets' offensive line play was. I, I can't speak to that. But if I'm looking at wanting to build a, a dominant front for Greg's defense, which is important, I would look at coming out of one of those, you know, coming out of that draft with one of two guys, either uh, Nick Bosa, if he slips. I you know the Cardinals could look to take uh, an offensive lineman, you know, maybe Jonah Williams. I, I, don't, I don't know where all that stands with them. Um, but I would want to come out of it with Bosa or, or, or Quinn and Williams, um, you know, from Alabama, one of those two guys. And if you even got Josh Allen, I could see how you could make that work too. Obviously Jeff knows Josh Allen very well. He's an exceptional football player. Um, but I would, I, there, there's so many good defensive linemen and, uh, I think that's something that they will need. If you're looking at free agency, there's going to be plenty of, uh, you know, options D Ford, uh, Chiefs are going to be a little tight on the cap, especially as they're throwing around rumors of giving Patrick Mahomes two hundred million dollars uh, in the coming year. They're gonna they're gonna have to let some people walk. Coverage linebackers that can that can you know be exceptional football players. C.J. Mosley, Anthony Barr are available. Uh, probably both going to get a shot into free agency. I would be surprised if they both did get a shot. There are some cornerbacks that are there. It's a bit of a thin market. Uh, Ronald Darby from Philly is available in the draft. You have Greedy Williams. I'm not sure that. The Jets will want to take a corner very high, but, um, you know, Byron, uh, Byron out of Washington too. So, um, you know, there, there are some names, but if they're looking for upfront help in this year's, um, free agency and, and draft, there are a lot of really good names from free agency in the draft to take advantage of. And that's where they can rebuild that front. If they're going to that, uh, even front under Greg Williams, that's, that's what they can do. And they could take a shot on somebody at the bottom you know, a one-year deal like Ndamukong Sue might only be after a one-year deal. Ezekiel Anza might be after some sort of short-term team-friendly deal. Uh, that could be that could be feasible for them too. I will say, just add. I'll just add in one thing here. Um, if I were the Jets and I'm looking to do things correctly, um, there's I, if, yes, obviously, you know, the, the Bosa and Quinn and Williams, but there's a lot of depth here. So uh, if I'm the Jets, I, I'm not looking to keep pick three. You went north last year to get your quarterback. That's fine. They could drop down to 10, 12, 
Um, Ed Oliver is a name that's slipping. I think he played very well in a Greg front. And, you know, in order to have Brian Burns and all of exactly. that, so, there's so many. If you, so, I mean, if you're looking to get a better bang for your buck here, and I do think the Jets probably need three, four pieces on that defense, there's really no reason to draft anybody at three. Go down to 12, 13, because, look, people are going to want quarterbacks. You've already got yours. You're not good. It's not like you're going to be thirsty for a very good defensive player drafting 12, 13, 14th. Let somebody else jump up for a quarterback. Go ahead and you know, recruit some draft picks because obviously, you know, you lost some going ahead chasing after Sam Darnold like they did. I, mean, I don't want to say chasing because obviously it's, it's going to be a home run selection for him, but it, it, it did hurt draft value, which they, you know, they're going to need here to build, build in some pieces on offense and defense. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Last question, and this is kind of a multi-layered topic here. When Greg Williams was with the Browns, how did he work with the other coaches, the guys above him like Hugh Jackson, the guys below him on his staff? What was he like both as the head coach and the defensive coordinator? And do you see this being a combustible situation with Gase, or do you think that he could get along with him? I think Greg's been around long enough to work with anybody. I think he, he proved that. Uh, I thought on hard knocks, he stayed in his own lane, even though there were certainly situations that were like, what the heck is Hugh Jackson thinking? And uh, <laughs> here, here's what I think. I think the bounty gate scare shook Greg to his core. And I think it made him change as a man. I think it made him change as a coach. And I think that there's a different guy uh, that's coaching now than, than we used to see back in the mid to two thousands to early two thousands, back when he was with Buffalo. I just think it's a different guy. I think it's a humble guy, a guy appreciative of being given a chance. He wants to take his son along and, and build his son is, uh, you know, his resume and help him become a coach in the league for a long time. So I don't see any issues with questioning authority. I think he'll bring a level of toughness on his own. Like Jeff said earlier, he brings a level of, uh, you know, smack talk and belief in what he's doing in a, in a bravado that is good. It's good for a defense, especially somebody like Jamal Adams, I think will really thrive off of that mentality he brings. So um, if you're looking for someone to come in with a young coach, I think he's the perfect fit. I think he will do well complimenting him. He'll give him really good uh, amounts of advice having been there before and done those things in the Gase's shoes. So it should be a really good fit. I'm, I'm very optimistic for the Jets, and I obviously am really pulling for Greg. Um, I, I think the one thing is, you know, Adam Gates is going to have to learn a little bit. Look, just kind of like Greg's just the kind of guy, like, let him be. Um, that's yep. just kind of way the way Greg works. And you're going to get this with these older defensive coordinators and these guys who are these super uber offensive guys. You know, Greg's going to be more of a, like, please, don't peek at my garden. Worry about your garden. Yes. Oh, oh yes, I understand. Yes, I gave up some points in the first half. I'll correct it. Prime week, week 17 in Baltimore. Baltimore was gashing him with the run of game. Greg went in. They changed everything. There were six, seven guys on the line. They had no idea you know, who was engaging where, and they were able to slow down that Baltimore running attack and probably should have at least had a chance to take that game to overtime in Week 17. Um, the other thing is Greg has changed a little bit 
His son is a younger guy in his mid-30s, big on analytics and doing stuff that way. And Greg actually mentioned a couple times that, you know, he's he's kind of opened his mind to it. You know, a lot of these older guys, they get out of here with it. I don't want to listen to it. But, you know, it's his son. So obviously he's going to you know, give some credence to it as he's helping his son and understanding that this is a world of football he's not familiar with. But he worked well with his son like that and was willing to adapt a little bit. And I think it's going to be good for the defense that it's an offensive head coach. So that these guys can just rally around Greg and they're going to sit there and they're, you know, they're going to root for the offense to make plays, but they're also going to say, look, uh, we're in a spot where we got to make one and like kind of accept the challenge of it. And that's the one thing you saw with Greg Williams as the head coach was, don't worry about it. Go for it. Put it on my D. We're good. We'll stop it. Don't worry about it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And the Browns did and they went for it and they went for it. And a lot of times it didn't come down to having to make the play on defense because the offense got it done. But Greg had no problem saying, don't worry about it. Put it on our shoulders. It, you know, it, and I think that's where the when the team got better and you saw Greg was able to have a more even keel and better flow within everybody in the organization was because, as we mentioned, on this bend but don't break stuff, it had to kill Greg knowing that he was coaching these games and there was never going to be you know, an opportunity for wins. And so it was, you know, he was doing everything he could just to keep the score close. But once it got to the point where we're now competing, we can win games. You know, it, it brought out a better Greg Williams, it, it, and that's kind of how he kind of succeeded as the interim head coach. Look, we all kind of knew Greg Williams was never going to get a head coaching job again. Sadly, I mean, he is Bounty Gate. Granted, a million other guys did it. Greg's the guy that got caught. So we've got to wear that badge. But, you know, as long as they're playing well and they're winning, Greg is an easier, jovial guy. I mean, so it's he, he, he's got this persona that he's this just this mean old cuss. But I think part of it is, is, you know, like he'll give you all the lines. He'll give you the mean old cuss. And then you kind of get a wink when all, it's only you and him. And you get it like he's having a little fun with it. And he's playing his part. And, and that's just what he is at this day and age. But, you know, as long as everything is flowing well and the Jets offense could do some things and it allows Greg to not just have to say, all right, well, all right, the number's 15. I, I, I can't let them score more than 15 because I don't think we can score more than 15. You'll get the full Greg Williams experience and it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. So overall, you guys both think it was a good move by the Jets hiring Greg Williams. It, I definitely think it was a good move. Um, like first things first, um, this is kind of a, a good. I mean, if you were looking for a defensive coordinator right now in the NFL, it's a good time. Um, what is getting hired? Offensive coaches. All, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury got fired from Texas Tech, did nothing for essentially two months, and his coaching name just rose and rose and rose and rose and rose. He's an NFL head coach, so all these offensive head coaches get hired. Where does that leave all these you know, guys who were potential head coaches as defensive coaches? They're all standing out in the wind. I mean, you know, the, the Browns got a great guy. I mean, you know, Wilkes did not deserve just one season in Arizona. I mean, it's kind of criminal to do as a guy as a first-year head coach. It's a win for Cleveland. Um, a guy like Greg Williams being available as only a defensive coordinator, that's fantastic. I mean, you, you, it is a great, great hire. And you know, he comes in with, you know, like I said, he's always going to come in with a little attitude. He is the ultimate competitor. I mean, it's going to, the one thing is, and I'm just going to say this when it, that New York media better not get cute with him because, uh, I mean, you can get on Greg's shit list and you can get on it real quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, put it this way. I would have been happy if the Browns kept him. I, I just, you know, there, there's going to be any coordinator. You're going to have things you like about what they do and things you don't like about what they do. They're always going to be as coordinators, risk, uh, risk reward management guys. And Greg has his ways of taking about risk and reward and, it might be different from some other guys. And uh, I think what he did uh, taking the Browns defense that was really genuinely terrible, terrible 2016 morphing it into, I think is a pretty good unit, a job that 
that many people wanted to have calling the defense um, is is very it's very admirable. So uh, I think the Browns could benefit from a new voice, but that doesn't mean I don't think Greg Williams is a heck of a coordinator and can do a good job wherever he, he lands. He you know he knows more about football than I could even imagine. Um, you know, he's forgot more about football than I could imagine to ever about it. So he'll do well. I have no doubt. It's, it's, uh, it's just if his players buy into what he's selling and from there it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's making it work and, and meshing with the offense and all of that. So good hire. Like I said, they're, they're probably sharper defensive minds out there, but there are certainly going to be, uh, much more terrible defensive coordinators as, uh, as well. So I, I would fit it into the good hire for the situation the franchise is in. Wanted to know all about what Greg Williams would bring to the Jets in all different aspects. And now we know, thanks to Jake Burns and Jeff Lloyd. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Jeff, I miss you, buddy. It's kind of like a reunion of sorts having you on back on TOJ Digital. So I'm glad that you were able to take the time. We'll start with you and then we'll go to Jake. Why don't you guys both tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, obviously, no, as everybody knows. Um, I, I took the opportunity. It was just when I wanted the locked on uh the locked on network was something i had looked into um it's you know it's five to six shows a a week it's 20 to well they say 20 to 23 to 28 minutes uh as jake can tell you he talks long i talk long i never hit that 23 to 28 mark minute (laughs) ever um so uh, you know but it was something new and at the time you know the browns were basically i mean it was basically you know down to the you know the roots and the taps of everything and it was just something new and something different obviously you know there was a lot of draft capital there was a lot of free agency so it's a team i was looking forward to see where they went obviously 2017 i realized you know right away oh my god i literally i was in the deep end with literally <clears throat> no safety device whatsoever because talking about a team that just there was no hope to it whatsoever but as things have picked up in Baker Mayfield and me and Jake always, I mean, there's been plenty of Sundays where we joke back and forth to each other. Oh my God, I can't believe we get to cover this guy. Um, and the fact that it's only been one year and it can go on for 12 to 13 years. So it's been a, it's been a blast covering this team as it grows and, you know, building the product on this show here, which is now one of the top 10 shows on the Locked On NFL uh, Football Network. So I've had a blast with it. So either Locked On Browns Twitter account. I keep that a follow-back account. It's a way to uh, interact with the listeners. They give me a bunch of fun ideas. They're really passionate about the product we're putting out over there. Uh, follow me personally, Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, it's, it's, it's just been fun. And, you know, like, and one other thing is, is you know, I, I, I want to be talking about football this time of year. I don't want to be talking about coaching hires. I don't want to be peeking ahead at free agency yet. You know, I love the draft as much as anybody. Um, but to be talking about January football as far as any team you cover, uh, I'm really looking forward to it and hoping that's going to be the case, you know, come next January. It sucks that football's over for all of us to an extent, you know, these lucky SOBs who get to watch their teams in the championship game. I don't count those people, but, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll do, I do a lot of off season stuff like I did in the regular season. I have a, um, a podcast, the Browns film breakdown podcast, and then there's a Browns film breakdown YouTube channel where we do a lot of film watching. Uh, the Twitter account for that is Browns film BDN. And then uh, I write a couple times a week for cleveland.com, um, which is going pretty well. And then uh, I've, I've been on as a staff guy at the uh, Orange and Brown Report for a good while, too. So that's where you can find a lot of my stuff. And you can follow my personal Twitter account if you're so inclined to torture yourself, too. That's at Jake <laughs> underscore Burns 18. So you, you choose your death slowly. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Very informative look at all aspects of the Greg Williams defense. Don't forget to follow Jeff on Twitter and check out Locked On Browns. Don't forget to follow Jake on Twitter and check out the Cleveland Browns film breakdown.
And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.